Welcome back to Minadop's Let's Talk, a podcast that brings you valuable resources for prospective and current adoptive and foster families, as well as professionals. You are listening to part five of Conversations with the Help Program, Strengthening Families Who Adopted Internationally. We have program manager Heather Van Brunt and help specialist Andrea Brubaker. Take a listen. Hey there, Andrea. Hi, Heather. Good to have you on this. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Thanks for being on our team of help specialists here at the HELP program and being a part of this podcast. Uh, Looking forward to digging in. Yeah, my pleasure. So I'll say a few things here. This is a new podcast series developed by the HELP program in which we will be deconstructing case examples from real life themes and scenarios. These case examples represent themes that we see with families and are not direct cases as we uphold client confidentiality and all that we do. The situation for this episode presents the themes that we see in some international adoptive families. These themes are not representative of all families or a specific family, but have been identified as common presenting concerns and reasons why families call. The purpose of these conversations is to demonstrate what families may bring to us and how we can help. So, Andrea, Tell us a little bit about this family. Yeah, so this parent is single and in her mid 40s. Uh, She identifies as white or European American and adopted two children from Colombia as young children. Her daughter was 13 months old and her son was three years old. They have all been together for about six years. She called the helpline because of concerns regarding both children, but primarily her 12-year-old daughter who recently engaged in self-harm and expressed thoughts of suicide and extreme sadness and hopelessness. She shared that her daughter has become more isolated from her as well as from peers at school and that she is really worried. She stated that her daughter has recently been assessed by a licensed mental health professional for depression and is not expressing suicidal thoughts at the moment. Um, but the mom wants to boost more support around her for the short and long term. She also shared that she has a close relationship with her nine-year-old son and that his challenges are related to school. Um, She said that he doesn't like to go to school and is extra clingy. Um, She shared that he has always been very sensitive and really attached to her, but that it feels like he has regressed in some ways. Right. So, so many different places that one could take um, this conversation. Um, So there, are there other important elements to know about this family? Yeah, the two children are not biologically related, um, and they're both institutionalized in Colombia before joining uh, this family and moving to the U.S. This mother came to adoption because she did not have a partner and wanted to be a mother. She was drawn to Columbia because she had traveled throughout Latin America as a young woman and felt um, connected to the the country. She speaks Spanish and has worked hard to make their family as fully multicultural as she can. Um, She feels very thrown uh, by the behaviors of both children, uh, in part because of how competent she feels as a parent. She felt that, um, that that aspect of her identity is being tested or questioned um, now that her children are struggling in different ways because she felt like she had really done everything that she could to kind of mitigate these kinds of things. Mm, right. So this, 
is a parent who really values her competence, like so many of our parents, um, they want to feel they want to give the care and nurturance to their children um, that they know that they can give and it can feel really destabilizing when despite all the efforts um, that they've given there's still those wounds from adoption. I mean, we know that adoption is a lifelong experience for everyone and there's no final end point for working through uh, the trauma of adoption and it's so normal for kids and teens to cycle through core issues at different stages of development. And if they're feeling a lot of stress come out so as you talk to this parent I'm sure you held that all in mind but what else did you want to explore with her. Yeah, Heather, that is spot on. Yes, like the parent's own competence and personalization can actually be an additional wound that interplays in these dynamics. This piece can also tie into the racial identity development of the children and the adoption identity development as well. These two elements are really critical for adoptees and especially for youth who are thinking a lot more about who they are becoming, <laughs> even as they differentiate um, from their caregiver, especially as they differentiate from their caregiver. Um, however, that process is going for that child can really impact their self-esteem, sense of self-worth, their self-efficacy, and overall mental wellness. I really wanted to explore the racial and adoption identity themes with this parent by providing some psychoeducation around that specifically. I also really wanted to offer the parent connection to some individual therapy possibilities for herself um, to help provide some more consistent guidance and support as she approaches both of her children and their varying needs. Um, but in this situation, it was also so important to understand more of what was presenting um, for self-harming behaviors and the suicidal feelings as well, and making sure this parent has solid crisis resources and supports around those needs too. Yes, all so important and um, good ideas and insights. Definitely a lot of topics to cover um, with her. Um, how did you lay out uh, resources for the family so it wouldn't be too overwhelming? What did you prioritize as you were talking to her? Yeah, it is a lot and can be really overwhelming for a family, uh, especially in the midst of all these worries and, and fears and trying to do what's right. Um, we try to keep that in mind as much as possible when we have our intake conversations with parents um, and in our follow-up. We know that so many parents are working with multiple other professionals, all of whom have recommendations and ideas for them. And that is so great, but it can be an added stressor to wade through. So we may send a comprehensive resource guide with recommendations, but also space out some of what we send in separate emails over the course of a few days and in such a way that is easier to review and digest. Um, for the daughter, I would be recommending an adoption competent therapist, a transracial adoption group for her or a group um, of other teen adoptees for her. I would also be encouraging this parent to keep a suicide hotline and emergency crisis resources on the fridge and sharing those with her daughter in case she is feeling hopeless again. Um, we can provide a solid base of crisis resources to draw from, but an adoption-knowledgeable mental health provider will be really crucial for this family in assisting with more in-depth safety planning. For the son, I would also recommend an adoption-competent therapist. I might focus a little bit more on a play therapist and attachment-based therapist, um, somebody who can help with the separation anxiety and work with both mother and son 
on fears and worries there. Um, she seems concerned about his regression and a well-trained therapist could help reframe where that might be coming from and why and how to respond in a way that meets him where he is at emotionally and in an attachment informed and effective way. Uh, there also are great support groups for younger kids too that can be one, a wonderful place for young adoptees to feel connected with others who have similar stories and or similar feelings. Um, for the parent, I would highlight the value of adoption competent therapeutic support for herself. Uh, it's so important for this parent to have an outlet for her own worries, concerns, insecurities, fears, so that she gets support. I would also recommend a support group specifically around parenting teens and transracial adoptees because the connection with other white parents who can teach one another and get resources from one another to help with that um, are huge. She's already so knowledgeable, but there is definitely value in learning from others who are living it in addition to the reading and intuitive things she's doing. Uh, lastly, I would be sending a lot of psychoeducation to this parent on parenting approaches, better understanding the adoptee perspective, transracial adoption resources through books and film, and more information on adolescence, suicidality, self-harm, and attachment trauma. Some of these would be through our own AdoptEd web, uh, webinar offerings and fast fact sheets on our website. Others would likely be through other organizations um, CASE, the Center for Adoption Support and Education, um, Child Welfare Information Gateway, or um, NAMI, and more. So there are a lot of different things that we can pull together for this family. Yeah, so many. It's so, um, so much complexity there that you're, um, that you're, that you're going over. So it's, that's a lot. Um, so, so helpful. What do you, what do you think is next for this family or what do you hope they will come away with from their interaction with you um, with the health program that might really help stabilize uh, their situation? I really hope the family will pursue the adoption competent therapy first and foremost. I think that guidance and that support is just so important and can be really um, a game changer for families. Um, as well as the supportive resources, because families can get really isolated, especially when they are struggling. And sometimes the best way out is to connect with other people who really get it. I think of us as a good starting point and example for that. And I think people learn best when they learn directly from other people, another person who can help them apply knowledge and approaches to their particular situation. Um, it's commonly a, a really a big area of focus for parents is how do I actually take this knowledge and apply it to what's going on for me? Right. Um, and that's a really important aspect of the therapeutic relationship that can be helpful along with the treatment planning and um, all of that. I hope that the, that, you know, the therapeutic relationship can also serve um, the purpose of kind of, of that guidance. Um, I also hope that the educational offerings can help too. And and that those resources can be really helpful to use in therapy and to bring to the therapist to explore and kind of even further reinforce that stuff. Right. Yeah, and so after you're done talking with the family, I'd like to bring out a little bit about what 
your role, our role can look like in a situation like this? Do you follow up with them and how do they get the information you just detailed for us? Yeah, I think as probably I've mentioned before, others have mentioned before, um, I will send a comprehensive resource guide through email. Um, I will check in with this parent and make sure they receive the information, um, you know, ask them if they have any questions that they might need assistance with getting connected to any of our adoption competent therapists, if that's an area they need help with. Um, if cost is a barrier to receiving adoption competent therapy, uh, the family you know, might have a high deductible plan or their finances might be tight, um, we may be able to explore some level of funding assistance for services uh, with the vetted therapists that are in our network. Um, we are able to explore that on a case-by-case -case basis, so that would be something I'd be checking in about. Um, we aren't providing therapy or traditional case management, but we are available to families as a short-term resource to help get them to new stabilizing supports that can make a big difference for them. So our work is unique in that it is pretty short-term in nature, but can be accessed multiple times as time goes by and families may, um, may change and their needs might shift. So we're, we're here for them um, on ongoing, even though we're really kind of focused in this, in the moment time when they call. Right. Yeah, we have, we do have a unique role that can make a powerful impact at a really critical juncture um, along the way for families. And um, we really do get a lot of family re-engagement, um, you know, from those who've used us before, using us again in the future as, as things uh, uh, evolve um, over time. And that speaks to the powerful impact and trust that families have and and what we have to offer here at the HELP program. So thanks for being a part of that, um, Andrea. And thanks for sharing this complex situation with us. I, um, I hope this gives listeners a sense of some of the experiences families might be going through when they reach out to our program for help and how um, our program, our HELP program can assist. So we hope uh, you as the listeners have enjoyed this episode of Conversations with the HELP team. And continue on to the next episode for another in-depth family scenario. Thanks. Thanks, Andrea. Thanks, Heather.